Hello, hello, and welcome to the podcast. It's me, it's Al. Well, who else is it going to be on the Alan Parry Weekend Check-In Podcast? Who else is it going to be? Well, it's me. <laughs> of course, it's me. And, and, and welcome, because it's been a bit haphazard. I've not done this podcast for the last two weekends. Can you, can you absolutely believe it? The last two weekends that I've not, I've not been here and available. And oh, I tell you what. <laughs> what what a couple of weeks it's been it's it's been like um it's been catastrophe after catastrophe it tells you it could just just one after the other so um why didn't I do it two weeks ago um why didn't I do it two weeks ago well i had i had a, a mad friday um and i i just didn't feel very well on the sunday because my car broke down i bought this car about th- what 3 months ago and um, I didn't spend a lot of money on the car, to be fair. But um, yeah, I didn't expect it to be breaking down this fast, to be to be honest. And um, so I, I was driving up near Speak. I had an appointment to go to, and uh, and the car just died. And it was quite dangerous actually, because I was going about thirty miles an hour at the time. It wasn't like that; it wouldn't start up. It's like it just died in the middle of uh, what I was doing. So then this car comes behind. Um, and obviously my car just kind of like came to quite a quick um, stop. So they're behind giving me the V sign um, and screaming at me. And I'm, I'm panicked anyway. And then I get that response. So, uh, you know, I, I did my very very best non-violent communication. And I give them the V sign right back <laughs> and beat me on. Yeah, so I, I, I didn't live up to that kind of practice at the time. <laughs> yeah, V sign went right back. Yeah, I was shouting all sorts. So yeah, so the car broke down. Now to make it, well, this was two o'clock. It was it was in daylight, and uh, I phoned the breakdown. Um, who am I with? I'm, I'm with Hastings Direct. You know my insurance, and it comes with the breakdown cover. This is not a recommendation, as you'll see. So I mentioned them not to recommend them, but but quite the opposite. Because what happened was, um, it took five and a half hours to get me home. So initially they said, we'll be with you within 60 minutes. I was later to find out that this is just the thing that they say. Um, much like you can get a parrot to say pretty Polly. You can get the people at the uh, <laughs> at the call centre of Hastings Direct Breakdown to tell you that they'll be there in 60 minutes. Because that's what they parroted several times a day. Now, the thing is, they told me this, this is at two o'clock, and then they phoned up again to say, actually, that wouldn't be the case. They'd be with me at a quarter to four. Well, quarter to four came and went. So I contacted them again at like five past four because it had been over two hours um, and it wasn't in a particularly convenient place to have to have, uh, to have given up on. You know, it was causing some some obstacle to other road users. So... Anyway, I phones them back again at five past four and says, well, look, where are you? You know, you said you'd be here. And um, they said, oh, we'll, we'll be with you within the next 60 minutes. So I was like, well, that's what you said last time and you weren't. So I've already waited till two. Are you telling me I'm going to have to wait now till like, and, and by the time you get through, you know, I phone them at five past four, but you don't get through until quarter past and speak to an actual human being, do you, in this world that we live in now? 
Um, so anyway, so I speak to the human being at quarter past four, and I said, well, you know, 60 minutes is quarter past five. You're really going to leave me here for three and a quarter hours? I said, find another person to... Because what they do now, they outsource it to local garages. And I said, well, forget them. You know, find me somebody else who's more local. Because if he's an hour away, he's probably not even in Liverpool. Um, so find me. And he said, no, that's just something that we say. <laughs> that's just something we say, the 60-minute thing. And I said, well, I don't believe you because it, it didn't happen last time. So, of course, we we to and fro like this for a while. He's not giving in. So... I give up to the idea that he'll be with me. I mean, one of the things he says is, we say, like, up to 60 minutes, but he'll probably be much sooner. And I said, well, can you give me a, an idea? Like, I know that they have... It's very easy, isn't it, to find out where the person is. They're, they're either on a computer these days, because we're all microchipped, don't we? Or you just phone this fella and say, like, where are you? Um, You know, go old school. Where are you? Hey, mate, where are you? So anyway, he refused to do that. So soft arse here is sat there until 20 past five and still no one's come. So I phone up then and of course I'm in full, I'm in full sarcasm mode at that point. Um, and I'm really kind of angry. And so eventually, I think it's about 25 to six, um, the guy comes and... Turns on my car, and of course it goes, Meow. and he said, oh, it's fine. I went, listen, no, it's not fine, because it's fine then, but 20 minutes in, that's going to die. So we had a bit of a to and fro, and he said, well, um, I don't have a tow bar on my van. And you think, Jesus, he's a, he's a, he's a roadside rescue thing, and he doesn't have a tow bar on his van, and I've, I've waited like the best part of four hours so he said, here's what I'll do. He said, I'll follow you home in case that, that, goes, that goes wrong again. So he radios through and he says, can I follow this guy home? They say yes, uh, which is a good job because I think I would have just, I, I would have just, God knows what I would have done. <laughs> I would have started kicking and headbutting the tarmac, I think. So anyway, he says yes. So I, I have to go on the motorway to go home. And of course, I feel it on the motorway about to die again. So I thought, right, into the hard shoulder, at least I'll control this. And it had died again. So now we're stuck in the motorway. And he says, well, there's nothing I can do. <laughs> he said, um, because I haven't got the tools to, to get into what I think is the problem. He said, it might be the distributor, whatever the hell that is. Um, he says, well, I haven't got a screwdriver small enough. So he hasn't got a tow bar and he hasn't got the tools. So he's not been very well equipped by his employer. Um, nice guy, by the way. Uh, very, very helpful personally, you know. Let me eventually sit in his van um, where it was a damn sight warm because I was literally shivering. And I'd been like, do you know how pigeons kind of ruffle up on themselves? Well, I was like that. So my whole body and neck was just so tense and cold. And it'd been like that for four hours. So uh, he says, yeah, there's nothing I can really do. We'll have, to, we'll have to phone through for a truck. So he phones through for a truck, you know, where they kind of stick it on the back and everything. And he says, oh, there's no trucks available. <laughs> so now I'm stuck in the motorway. It's pitch black now because it's like, it must be about half six now. So it's maybe even quarter to seven, in fact. And eventually, round about ten past seven, a van comes like a truck that can load me on. So I've now waited over five hours 
and I eventually get back home at half past seven. So that was my trauma on, on the Friday before the podcast that should have been two weeks ago. So when I wake up on the Saturday, my neck just, my head will not move. I have no movement in my head at all. And I did go jogging because I'm doing the jog on. I'll tell you about the jog, actually. I did go, um, yeah, I'm just scribbling down jogging because I'll forget. I've got terrible memory. So um, I did go jogging that day, but I couldn't move my head. Um, so anytime I had to look left, I had to move my whole body and the same moving right. And the slightest thing like, you no, know, that's just like bending over. I was in absolute agony because my whole body had gone into spasm, I think, with the cold. Um, and so on the Sunday, I just felt really ill. I felt, I still felt miserable because my car was off the road. I didn't know what was going to happen with that. It was, it was clearly going to cost a heap load of money. And I'd only had it for three months. So I was kind of down about that. And I just felt sick because the pain in the, in the pain in my neck, literally, you know, I, I had like a real nausea feeling. And I, I did actually sit down, I'll tell you, to do the podcast. And I just felt so, so kind of poorly and, and everything and in pain that I just thought, no, I don't want to do it today. So you would have had a very miserable show had you have, uh, had you have done that back then two weeks ago. And I can't remember what happened last week. Last week, I was meant to be uh, on my psychotherapy course, but my tutor was ill. I think she's got the same virus. Not not through me, I hasten to add, because it seems to be going round. But the virus I had that lasted three or four weeks ago, I think, like, just beyond last month, I think that's going round, because I know a couple of people who've got it. So she was ill. Oh, that's right. I think I, think I was too busy focused on Liverpool versus Everton. Um yeah, Sam Allardyce is at Everton, isn't he? I I, I think he's, uh, you know, a, a lot of my Evertonian acquaintances and friends uh, were not happy with Sam Allardyce. But I tell you what, I think he's the perfect. I think he's the perfect fit, certainly at this time. I think he'll do well for Everton. So had I have been an Everton chairman, I would have gone for Allardyce straight away once they got rid of Cooman. So he's there now after much dilly dallying, and they've done very well since he's been there. Um, so yeah, that's what I was doing last Sunday, and this Sunday here I am. So my apologies, everyone. You can see it's been very chaotic, but it's been very chaotic as well this weekend because my tumble dryer died. Um, so machinery and me are not getting along lately. Um, so uh, yeah, so I, I'm looking at this computer with a very weary eye. Um, so I had all the tumble dry stuff because all my clothes were sopping wet, and it's just before. Christmas and stuff, isn't it? And I don't know. Um, whinge, whinge, whinge. So what else have been doing? I've been losing weight. I'll tell you that much. I think I've lost. Let's say I'm. I get weighed every Wednesday now. Um, since I kind of rebooted, and since I rebooted, I've lost. I've lost six and a half pounds. So I'm half a pound off a stone. So I'm hoping that by Wednesday, um, I'll have lost the full half stone. And then what will I need? What will I need to have done then? Just trying to think. I think I think certainly another stone after that. And, and I think probably more actually. I think I would I would like to lose a stone and a half. So that's my plan. That's my plan. So that's what I have been doing. That's what's going well. Instead of all these things that are breaking down on me and costing me bloody money. Isn't it funny in life that it's quite hard to earn money, but 
there's always some bugger with the handout expecting <laughs> expecting money off you. Yeah. I've been seeing a lot of squirrels though. This is a good thing. Lots of squirrels for some reason at this time of year round by mine. I, I, on the day that um on the day that my neck was sore and I went jogging, um there was a squirrel running alongside me at the other side of the road. And so I was having to run sort of side on like a space invader <laughs> just so I could see the squirrel. And and tell you what, I went jogging yesterday and it was pitch black. I got up early. It was about seven o'clock in the morning. And um, yeah, about seven o'clock in the morning, it was still dark. And there was so much ice underfoot that I had to run really slowly. It was a bit frustrating, to be honest. But I ended up just running up and down this one road in the road itself. Nearly got run over by a milk cart. <laughs> that would have been a sour ending, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. That would have made me lactose intolerant. <laughs> so I was just running up and down this road. It, it didn't look too weird because there was nobody about, but I was actually in the middle of the road because it was the least slippiest thing, but it was raining and it was also freezing. So as the rain was kind of hitting the floor, it was forming more ice underfoot. But I've now done four weeks of training because um, I'm running on I for, uh, I'm trying to raise money a 5k, a sponsored 5k that I'm doing in February on my birthday weekend. And um, I'm doing it for Asylum League. So, uh, Asylum Link, not Asylum Leak. <laughs> Asylum Leak. Wonder what that would be. <laughs> Refugees to Wales. <laughs> yeah, so if you want to, if you want to get involved in that and become one of my refugee heroes, I think I might like. Am I at 37% of target? So I could do with being better because I'm at the halfway stage of training. So if you want to jump on that and help uh, asylum seekers and refugees, um, then all you need to do is go to parrysongs.co.uk forward slash 5k, as in the 5k run. So that's the number five, the letter K. So that's parrysongs.co.uk forward slash 5k, and you can get involved and... Make sure that I'm fully accountable for running round a field on the 10th of February next year. So, yeah, that's all me jogging. That's been going well. I'll tell you something else that's gone well as well. Because on uh, Friday the 8th of December, I finally, 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 finally. Finally got my appointment with the hospital to go and look at me sore throat, me sore voice, me sore vocal cords. Because I had a vocal injury around the time of my album launch. Album launch. And um, I got an appointment then with the hospital. And in July, they told me I had nodules. Singer's nightmare. You've got the start of nodules, they said. And, and they spoke like that. They spoke like exactly like that. Hello, sit down. You've got the start of nodules. And uh, so anyway, I was in a complete flummox then because I had to wait to see their speech therapy people. And I waited four months to see their speech therapy people. And do you know what they said? Do you know what they said? They said, I can't help you with singing. I only know talking. You'll have to go to Withenshaw for, for singing. And so um, they, they referred me to Withenshaw, which, of course, they could have done from the outset. So I've had like a four-month wait just pointlessly. And then from that point on, I've been waiting to go to Withenshaw. And anyway, I finally got my, uh, 
finally got my appointment on uh, on Friday the 8th. So I went. I went there. And <clears throat> they've got this specialist performers unit. And you always expect when you go to hospital, don't you, that there's... Um, <clears throat> excuse me, that there's a, a, like a, a big waiting room. That's how it always is. Well, this wasn't it. It was just like one office, really. It was one office, and that was the performance specialist unit, and there were six chairs outside, and that was your waiting area. <laughs> so I'm waiting outside, and there's a woman inside, obviously being seen to. So all I hear is... <laughs> coming through the door. You know, she was a proper singer. And then I heard them getting her to do exercises. So she's like... So I'm outside giggling. <laughs> when I was a kid, we went. To, we used to go to Blackpool every year for our holidays. <laughs> and Blackpool was good then. Um... Because, like, there were shows on everywhere. They had the North Pier, the Central Pier, the South Pier. They had the Winter Gardens. And it was always big stars, you know, like Little and Large. And and um, Russ Abbott was on before he was famous, actually, Russ Abbott. Uh, I saw the Crankies there. Um, yeah, there, were, there was always, like, Freddie Starr was there. So always people who were, like, really at the top of the game would just camp out in Blackpool for the summer. The summer season is how entertainment used to work in this country back in the day. And so you would just get all the big stars there. So it was good. And, and and the reason why I'm telling you this is I remember I must have been about six. Um, so probably even a little bit sillier than I am now. And there was a lot of variety shows on then. <clears throat> so they'd have like lots of people on and different acts. And there was this, I still remember her name. There was this, um, <laughs> there was this like opera singer. So it was all like ventriloquists and comedians and, and a band and all that sort of stuff would be on the show. Um, you know, Our Kid. Does anyone remember Our Kid? It was like a... <laughs> they were like a band from Liverpool. Don't turn round, you just might see me crying. That's not the tune, I'm sure, but that's what that's that's one of the songs they did and they do like a little dance with it where they'd be moving their thumb behind them, you know. <laughs> our kid we used to like them because they were from Liverpool anyone who's from Liverpool we liked there was this like um, there was. A, I wonder if anyone went to Blackpool at this time any of you Scots who listened there was always loads of Scots in, there were Scousers and Scots used to go to Blackpool and uh, there used to be Ricky and Sam they weren't on any of the big things but they were like singers and, and kind of funny as well they were from Liverpool so we used to go and see them because they were from Liverpool. But anyway, one of these variety things, they had this woman on called Moira Anderson, I'm sure that was her name, and I think she was like a Scottish singer, but she was one of these in a frock, you know, holding her hands in front of her, and I didn't know what to expect. I was six, I'd seen the rest of the show, and anyway, she comes on and starts going, and I just start breaking out laughing, because I'm six, and this is the funniest thing I've ever seen. And my mum's trying to shut me up, but she's giggling. And because she's trying to shut me up and it's become inappropriate, now you start laughing more. So uh, I don't know whether I ruined Moira Anderson's confidence and career. But Moira, if you're listening, I'm, I'm really sorry. I was just a wee boy. And I didn't know any better. <laughs> but anyway, that, I, I say I didn't know any better. I was doing exactly the same outside this room as this, as this poor woman was getting her, her, her vocals tested. So then it was my go, you know, 
she comes out. I've I've stopped giggling at this point. And the funny thing is that, as I say, it wasn't like a whole consultant suite or anything like that. It's one room in Withenshaw Hospital. And the room, get this, was B-52. <laughs> you know, like the band, the B-52s. It was just a coincidence. It happened, like, all the all the rooms in the hospital had, uh, had or certainly on the floor I saw, that they were named after a letter followed by a number. Well, this was a B-52. So I'm expecting to go in, going... Love Shack is a little old place where we can get together. Love Shack, baby. Love Shack, baby. But uh, they didn't do that. They didn't do that. But that's what I was expecting. That's what I was expecting. I like the fact that it was B-52. Um, it probably wasn't named after the band. But what a happy coincidence. What a happy coincidence. So anyway, I, I goes in and they have a little chat to me. There's three of them in the room. There's the guy who's in, in charge of the camera. And there's there's, a, there's Dane Chalfin, who's like this renowned vocal coach. And there's a, a woman there called, I think her name was Sue Jones. And so she's the vocal specialist. And they're all asking me questions about what's happened with my voice and everything. And Dane has a little feel of me, me throat to see the tension and whether anything is tender. And uh, he... he he declared me loose as a goose. He said, you're loose as a goose. <laughs> so anyway, um, then you have to sit in the chair. And in the chair, what happens is they get this uh, camera and they stick it up your nose. It's like, um, it's, like a, it's like a long tube and it's got like a little camera at the end. And they, they shove it up your nose so that it will then go down the back of your throat into where your vocal cords are. So they kind of grease it up, and I'm sat there waiting for this. I've had it done before, and it's not that pleasant. It's not the worst thing in the world, but it's a bit uncomfortable because you happen to swallow a camera, and then it's just stuck there while you're kind of doing E's and O's and, and singing and all stuff like that, and it's lodged there, and it's a foreign body, isn't it? So it's not meant to be there. So anyway, they, they grease this up, and then they start sliding this thing up my nostril. I think it went up my right nostril. And then down the back of my throat. And I said, oh, I said, I, I hope you don't mind me saying. I said, but this really smells funny. You know, it didn't smell funny when I had this done at Fazakli Hospital. It smells horrible, this. And they said, oh, well, that's, that's because of the cuts. And I said, well, what do you mean this is because of the cuts? And she said, well, on a Thursdays, um, this tube and camera is, is used by the colonoscopy department. <laughs> she didn't. I'm, I'm just making all that bit up. <laughs> but can you imagine? <laughs> Colonoscopy on Thursday. <laughs> Vocal on Friday. There you go. Shove that up your nose, son. Don't mind if it's a bit smelly. <laughs> so... Anyway, back to the proper story. They put this camera up my nose and it, it goes down. The, and I, what I always do, I always think of Kenny Dalgleish in this, mo <coughs> in this moment. Excuse me. And he, he's just scored the goal in the European Cup final at Wembley. And he's he's running towards the advertising hoardings and he leaps over them. That's the image in unpleasant things that I always go to. So I was doing that. But what I had to do, I had to kind of do funny, funny vocal sounds like... E and Well, I actually started giggling then because Dane said, "Do this sound." 
and and so I did it, and I was I started I started laughing. So it took me a while to actually do that, because <laughs> um, I kept on giggling any every time I had to do it, and then I had to sing two songs. So I had to sing a song that that was kind of like not too much of a challenge. Um, so I did too scared. I'm too scared to let me love you. So I did that one, and then I did Dig Boys Dig. Uh, which is the first track on my latest album, Freedom Rider, because if you listen to Dig Boys Dig, it goes quite high in the chorus, and while my voice was sore, I was finding that I was finding that more difficult. So I got Dane to give us a, the right chord to start off. He's got this little piano in there on his phone. So he did a chord. He didn't know he could do chords. He thought he could just do one note, but I taught him how to do chords on it. So that's good, isn't it? We both learned. And... Um, so I sung that, and the good news is I don't have nodules, so this is what I'm getting to. I don't have nodules. They didn't think I did anyway, because grown men don't get them, apparently. It's like women or or boys and girls will get them. Or if you like a, a what the, I think they call it a counter-tenor singer, where you're doing falsetto. There's a child man. So Jimmy Somerville might get them, you know, of Bronsky Beat and Communards fame he, he might get them but i shouldn't be getting them and so they didn't think it was that they thought i'd been misdiagnosed so what they've uh, what they said is you definitely have not got nodules so that's good news isn't it and the second thing that they said is that they were a little bit worried that i might have some sort of polyp or cyst on the vocal cords but they showed me the picture of the vocal cords and they're absolutely clean. So there's nothing wrong with them. They're straight. They they move exactly as they should do. They close. There's nothing getting in the way there that's going to make it raspy or breathy. Um, and they also said, so there's whatever vocal injury has been there is obviously healed now. Um, and while it still doesn't feel right to me at the moment, that apparently is because now I need some vocal rehab. So that's what I'm going to get. I'm going to get some uh, um, some rehab so that'll sound cool, won't it? When I say to people, yeah, man, just going to go into rehab. You know, this kind of teetotaler that I am. I can now go, hey, man, I'm going into rehab. Yeah, vocal rehab. <laughs> so what, what, da- what Dane said is that at the moment, 70% of what I'm doing with my vocal muscles is right. And I just need tuning up on the other 30%. And also they said that the worst thing that I could possibly have done is rest me voice. And of course, I've been resting me bloody voice since July, haven't I? Because until you know what the injury is, you don't know whether rest is appropriate. So I, I just took rest. So a bit like a bit like an athlete or a footballer who hasn't played from July to December. And then they get thrown out onto a football pitch. You kind of need to build yourself back up again. So... I'm going back next week to start my vocal rehab and I need about four sessions apparently and a whole load of exercises that I'll then do for the rest of my life like any good athlete would do and I'll, I'll should be back. So if anyone wants me for a house gig or for a concert or whatever, I'm taking bookings again. Isn't that good to say? Hey everyone, I'm taking bookings again. Me, me throat is fine, my voice is fine. I need a little bit of vocal rehab, but I've been green-lighted to sing. So as soon as you want me to sing again, just give me a shout. I am ready and waiting and chomping at the bit to sing some songs for you. This is my new vocal style, though. Dig, boys, dig, for the cold it is stabbing. Dig, boys, dig, 
for as far as you'll see. Yeah, I now sing in the style of Moira Anderson. Not really. I'm still I'm still the same same voice. What I'm actually going to do, you know, um, and I'm going to do this for my VIP subscribers. And if you want to know how to be a VIP subscriber, um, go to alanparry.bandcamp.com. So that's Alan. You know how to spell Alan. Of course you do. A-L-U-N. So that's alanparry.bandcamp.com. And just for a few quid a month, you can become a member and you get loads of secret stuff in advance of album releases and you get stuff every month. And in fact, big thank you to all my subscribers because they've had to be very patient. I actually owe them about four or five songs, which they'll get over the coming months. But what I'm going to do in the meantime, I'm just going to do some demos of songs that um, I've got in the pipeline that aren't recorded yet. And I'm going to test them out with my VIPs. So if you want to become one, go to alanparry.bandcamp. Dot com. Dot com. So that's took, that's taken a lot of the podcast, hasn't it? Because we're nearly half an hour in. And all I've been doing, really, is talking about my voice. I, I still think it's a little bit wobbly, but then I suppose that's what the, the rehab is for. You'll hear it now. Sometimes it'll go a bit kind of croaky when I'm yabbering away. Um, but, yeah. So that's all about my voice. So, yeah. And I've told you about my tumble dryer. Tumble dryer, tumble dryer. Yeah, I should I should write songs about the calamities. I got the tumble dry blues. Woke up this morning. I put my wet clothes in the dry. Woke up this morning. Put my wet clothes in the dry. I turned that dryer on, baby, and my clothes were still wet an hour later on. Because the damn thing's not working. I got the tumble dry blues. I say, yeah, that tumble dry's not working. I got the tumble dry blues. So if I want my clothes dry, baby, well, I got nothing to use. There you go. There's my next number one hit. The Tumble Dryer Blues. Nice. I've been doing loads of coaching as well. Uh, tons and tons and tons and tons of coaching. So that's been good. So, uh, yeah, I've been telling you stuff that's good. Even though I've had these calamities going on, I can see there's been some good stuff as well. Um, I was going to tell you about I went to a conference of disorder for everyone, but I think I'll save that one because I had quite a few thoughts on that. And I'm noticing we're getting to the half hour mark. I tell you what, next Sunday, next Sunday's podcast will be Christmas Eve. It's Christmas Eve. Next Sunday's Christmas Eve. And Father Christmas is going to be getting his reindeer and he's going to be putting everyone's presents in his sleigh. So yeah, it'll be a, it'll be like a, it'll be all Christmassy. I'm going low key on Christmas again. I, I think it's less stressful to do it that way. So um, low key means most people aren't getting presents. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I've also asked other people, don't get me them either. Let's let's stop that. And um, so just people who are very closest to me will have like a birthday level present. And I think that's sufficient, isn't it? And then just spend time with, with them. And I think that's what Christmas is really about. Like a token of appreciation um, and some some time spent together. That's 
that's that's what I'm doing. So none of this big stress consumerism capitalist monster um, that normally goes on. Um, so yeah, Christmas is coming. You, you get all sorts of weird offers, don't you, <clears throat> at Christmas? I've, I've, a fella, I mean, I'm vegetarian, as you know. So um, I don't know what I'll be having for Christmas dinner. I might just have me soup as normal. but Or I might have some corn. Because I'm, I'm dieting at the moment, and, and corn is all right to have while you're dieting because it's full of protein. So I might have corn, just do a bit of gravy and stuff. I don't know. don't know what to have for Christmas dinner. But what what I want is to make sure that Christmas doesn't go mad and derail me weight loss stuff because I'm really pleased with how much I've, weight I've lost because it's only in the last, say, three to four weeks that I've got rid of this half a stone. And I'd like that to continue rather than go backwards because if like, I spend the next two weeks putting on three pounds, then I'll have lost three pounds in six weeks, which is nowhere near as heartening. So I don't want Christmas to knock me off scale by being a glutton. So um, I want to keep that in 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 check, but yeah. So I'm a, I'm a vegetarian, but at Christmas you get people making you odd offers, don't you? Um, so like a fella came up to me yesterday, and he said, um, "Would you like eight legs of venison for forty quid? Eight legs of venison for forty quid?" And I said to him, eight legs." You know, eight legs of venison. He said, yeah, eight legs of venison for 40 quid. I said, you know, I think that's too dear. Oh, boom. Hey, hey, I'm here all week. Hey, I think it's too dear. Eight legs. Too dear. No, no. Okay. Okay. Never mind. I thought that was a decent Christmas joke. No, never mind. Never mind. I try my best. I try my best. But uh, ah, shopping's shopping is mad at this time of year. I try and avoid it as much as as possible. It's a desperate time, though, isn't it? I was in um, I was in the supermarket, and um, oh, it was terrible, you know, because I was in the supermarket, and there was this old girl, you know, this old woman. And she's there in a Mac, you know, like at a certain age, women wear Macs, don't they? No matter what the weather. Have you noticed that? <laughs> but anyway, it was appropriate to the weather because it was a cold day. And anyway, she she gets her, her bits and bobs and everything, goes through the checkout. And as she's leaving the door, the store detective, um, if that's what they call them, you know, the security, he stops you, see. So I'm watching this because um, I'm, I'm, I'm close by. And he says, open your coat, love. And I thought, oh, bloody hell, you know, this this, this poor owl girl here. And she's like, what, what? She said, open your coat, love. And anyway, she opened the coat and didn't she have a turkey there hidden away that she hadn't paid for? Do you know what? I was, my heart just melted, you know. And he said, what are you doing with that? And she said, I was thinking gravy, mashed potatoes, <laughs> bit of carrot and turnip. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear yeah yeah I tell you what I listen to a good uh, a good podcast I'm going to recommend a podcast I often listen to the James Altucher show it's spelled A-L-T-U-C-H-E-R the James Altucher show and some of the later interviews like the more recent ones I haven't really been tuning into but this one took my fancy and it's by a guy named Stephen Tobolowski. I think his name's Stephen Tobolowski. 
It's funny that I'm, I'm, I'm less sure on the Stephen than I am the Tobolowski. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, he, if anyone's interested in things like story, the structure of story, acting, comedy, the creation of a character as an actor, anyone like me who's done some acting before will be really interested. Anyone who's a storyteller will be really interested. Any creative will be really interested as well, by the way, because... Um, yeah, it's just a, a fascinating account of all of these different things. Now, Stephen Tobolowski has been in hundreds of things. He's a character actor. And um, he played... Do you remember Ned in Groundhog Day? So he was the insurance salesman. He was, like, really annoying. And he, 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 keeps, on, he keeps on bothering um, uh, Bill, Bill Murray's character. That guy, he's in it quite a lot because, obviously, it's Groundhog Day and it keeps spinning round. So he's he's that guy, and if anybody watched, um, oh, was it called California Californication? He was um, David Duchovny's ex's new husband in that. So you'll have seen him in tons of stuff. He's in Silicon Valley as well. But there's like a two-hour conversation between him and James Altucher, who himself is a really interesting guy, and they talk as well about things like um, creativity and when to keep going and how to keep going and how to stay determined. And I really, I really recommend that show. Um, it was a really good episode. It's the James Altucher, James Altucher podcast. And it was his conversation most recently with Stephen Tobolowski. And it's just interesting to hear how other creatives go through it. Because sometimes you, you get involved in creative projects and you, you'll bail out of them. And, and you'll, you'll look back on reflection um, and think, did I get out of that too soon? You know, I, I mean, I've been thinking that. Did I get out of that too soon? Um, should I have stuck with it a bit longer? I, I've been, I've been thinking that ever since I left Alan and Garfunkel. <laughs> yeah, ever since I left Alan and Garfunkel, I wondered, did I get out of that one too soon? You know, should I have just stuck with it? Same, same goes for um, ever since I left the Fun Boy Four. I have the same thoughts. And the less said about the Jackson 6, the better. <laughs> oh, dear. I think I'm going to leave you now because I'm getting... I'm getting silly, everyone! It's, well, why can't I be silly? Why can't I be silly? Everything machiney is breaking on me. It's nearly Christmas. <laughs> why can't I be silly? Oh, dear. Oh, yeah. I, I, actually, um, talking about supermarkets as I was a moment ago, that does remind me of something. Um, I was behind. Have you ever been behind somebody? Apparently in ASDA, um, the 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 checkout people have some sort of leeway to uh, to handle this. You know, if someone's a bit short on their bill, like when it comes to checkout, and it's like, oh no, I've got too much. Apparently, the ASDA checkout clerks have got a bit of leeway to to give to bridge that gap. You know, so the store does it. That's what I've heard anyway. Anyway, I wasn't in ASDA, so. I was behind this little old deer, right, in the in the queue. So I'm waiting for her, and she, she was, like, really slow. But I don't mind that, you know. When I'm in a supermarket, I'm in quite a good mood normally. Unless it's mega crowded, I tend to chill out and zone out. And I've become something of an observer. And, you know, I notice that lots of people are angry in supermarkets, especially if, like, you get in each other's way, which is inevitable. You know, their trolley's this way, your trolley's that way. And then you do that little dance... That always makes me chuckle, but it makes other people infuriated sometimes. It makes other people smile, and there's a nice little moment. 
So I'm, I'm normally quite chilled out in supermarkets. So I didn't mind that she was taking her time. And uh, anyway, she's at the till and everything. And they eventually get through everything. And I think, oh, that's good. I'm, I'm next now. And uh, the checkout assistant says, uh, that'll be £28 something or odd pence. And anyway, she opens a purse and she pulls out a 20 and then she, she freezes, you know, she's, and she, you can see she looks shocked and she's like, oh, I've only got this 20. I, I had another, I had another 10 somewhere. And then she claims she must have lost it. And she's starting to get upset, you know, cause she hasn't, she's only got 20 pounds, but it's, she can't afford like this extra stuff for the extra 28 pounds. It's like, I, I think I must have lost another. She's just stood there, you know, helplessly brandishing this 20. And I, I just couldn't help it. You know, I said, I just stepped forward and I said, ER, I said, I'll help. And she said, oh, no, no, son, no, 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 you can't do it. I said, no, honestly, I'll help. She said, no, you, I, I, I can't. I, I, I said, look, I insist. I'm going to help. And you know what? Within about two minutes, I had all that stuff back on the shelves, no problem. So <laughs> oh, it's another joke. It wasn't real. The whole episode is a fantasy. Is this the real thing? Is this just fantasy? Born in a landslide, no escape from reality. Yeah, yes, <coughs> I've been telling... I've been telling some silly stories. Now, the fair, all, all the ones that sounded true were true about me voice and all that sort of stuff, about about me tumble dry breaking down, about waiting five and a half hours on a freezing cold day. Do you know that day was the coldest day of the year so far? And that's when it happened. <coughs> yeah. That's when it happened. All of that stuff is true. But anything that ended in a silly story was just a silly story. Just because I wanted to lighten your load at this stressful time of year. Oh, it's the most wonderful time of the year. No, it isn't. Oh, it's the most wonderful time of the year. No, it's crap. Oh, it's the most amazing, wonderful, happy, sentimental, schmaltzy, debt-ridden time of the year. Yes, so I think I'm going to leave you with the song of the month because I'm just going to babble like an idiot otherwise. Babble like an idiot otherwise. I'm going to babble like an idiot otherwise. I'm going to babble like an idiot Babble like an Egypt. Babble like an Egypt otherwise. So I'll see you all on Christmas Eve. Have a good week and tatty bye. Here's the song of the week. I was already fallen When I heard about the boy who said How he misses you As you lay in my bed And how he held your heart so long It sure was news to me Ask old Isaac Newton can't fight gravity 
but now I've fallen What do I do now, will they say Crawl into love forever Don't know how I am just a foolish boy With a poet's wounded soul And these things I feel Seem outside my control Well I know I'm too sensitive I bruise so easily How can this love I need Gonna do these things to me And now I've fallen What do I do now will they say Crawl into love forever don't know how Every time you drive away It makes me feel so blue I never know the next time that we'll meet another you Do I spend my whole life with an empty diary Living lonely days and nights Just hoping you'll be free And now I've fallen what do I do now, will they say Crawl into love forever I don't know how And now I've fallen What do I do now, will they say Crawl into love boy I don't know how, and they say Crawl into love, boy I don't know how